Did you ever not lock Roundhead? No, but I would drive all the way home to my parents' house in the WAPs of West Auckland and then question whether I did lock Roundhead and then <laughs> drive all the way back to Roundhead and it was locked, yeah. It happened quite a few times, yeah. I have to do that quite a lot as well. Here? Uh, not here because they're not... I'm I'm not responsible enough to have keys for mm-hmm, here, mm-hmm. but at, at Crum yeah. for sure. Yeah, it's I've got to learn to be a bit more mindful when I live my life. You know what I mean? Yeah, me too. <laughs> me too, me too. Just there's just always other things to think about, mm-hmm. and watching what I'm doing is not one of the things usually. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of you know things in the past to regret and <laughs> things to stress about in the future than be in the moment. Yeah. Feel like you're just being pulled in two genera in mm. two generations <laughs> in two directions. Yes, yeah. thank you, thank you for that. All good. Um, welcome to Harko Meets Humans. I'm here with Merck. Yay! Lovely to be here. <laughs> <laughs> it's lovely to have you here. Um, I'm glad we finally got here. It's beautiful, mm-hmm. and like it's really nice because I it actually gave me time to listen to your album a lot more, which is cool. Cool because like, not not all the guests. It's a pretty like wide ranging podcast where sometimes it's like I just find something they do interesting or like them themselves interesting. Mm-hmm. But my favorite ones are also when I'm like, okay, I actually really like the music as well. So it's really Is this nice. One of these ones? It's one of those okay, ones. Cool. Yeah, I'll put that out there just for you. Thank you. That's okay. Good to know. Um, how do you feel about the album now? Because I only asked that because I read that there was like a delay mm. and that time between finishing something and then it coming out, mm. um, your musicians tend to be in a in a different headspace, not worse or bit, but like have creatively are in another space. Totally. How do, how do you feel? Because you're now kind of looking back on the album. Yeah, totally. No, I feel, it, it feels good to have it out for sure. Definitely like a release, which is nice. And I'm in the middle of preparing. Well, when the, by the time this comes out, I would have prepared and be on the road touring. But like, I'm in the middle of preparing for tour. And so like, as you know yourself, like that kind of gives a new, that's like a new thing. And like often, artists often talk about the live expression. You kind of are learning new things about the music. So I'm in that zone at the moment. Right. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. That Super must fun. be nice. Yeah. Did you, cause the album's quite like, like close mm. to the ear, mm-hmm. you know, everything's very like up, which I really like. Mm-hmm. Um, but how did you have to like try and think about that? Like when you went in to do the live thing, are mm. you tr- are you thinking about trying to reproduce things? Are you thinking about doing it and like a, having a completely different thing to it? Like, do you, is there much intention going into it? Or are you really just putting the team together and getting in a room? No, I think you know there's definitely a lot of intention that goes into it, and I think you know you talk about the closeness of the recording, which is like you know the sound of me literally at two a.m whispering into my microphone, you know, like, um, and it's kind of very hard to capture that at cassette nine, yeah. downtown Auckland. Um, and so it's kind of more about the emotion, the emotional closeness or something. And that's what I've been thinking about is like, how do you express that vulnerability or that intimacy in a live setting without, you know, necessarily being able to like whisper quietly into yeah. the microphone at 2am or whatever. Yeah. So that's kind of what, I've, so it is a bit different, but hopefully the intention and the emotion is similar. Yeah, because have you come? Have you come from like? 
did you first fall in love with live musicianship and then recording and producing musicianship or is it kind of an equal thing for you? I think I fell in love with songwriting right. first and then live music. I do, I have this love-hate thing with live, performing live because I'm never good enough right. for my own, for myself. I'm never, like, it's like, it's such a great feeling to perform live but then the come down is so strong because I just like, have such high standards for myself, you know? And in, and in the studio, you can iron those kinks out much easier um, and privately. <laughs> <laughs> and and it's not, I'm not saying that the live show is bad. I think it's cool and I'm very proud of it. But, you know, I just have such high standards for myself. Yeah. Do you think that if you ever, re- like, if you ever reach that standard, it would be almost too clean? But, yeah. <laughs> I, I, yeah, exactly. And I think that's like, I think that's a thing... Hope like I think that's the thing many good artists have is like this these extreme high standards that they never attain to right. because it keeps them growing, which is and hopefully that is where I'm at is like hopefully it can keep me growing. It's like shooting for the stars and landing amongst the clouds. That's the one. I love it. Yeah, that's the one. Because almost every band I've seen you be a part of, I would consider tight. Mm-hmm. Like I, like we, t- we were talking before about um the Tom Lark band mm-hmm. back then the whole Roundhead session mm. like um. What was the what was the room one? Never gonna give you the room. Or? Um, but she never gave me the room. Yeah, yeah. That is that recording and that that live version is just so fucking slamming and so tight. I think you were just sitting there not playing anything for most of the time. Yeah, that for one. that song, I think I played the tambourine. <laughs> so yeah, I'm glad that was tight. <laughs> so the one you weren't involved in, yeah. really tight. <laughs> but I think it's like I've always really admired that, and I had. Tono on the week before mm. this one and we kind of talked about that as well it's like his approach was like the show people are being generous with their time like they've come down to the thing and he's like I want to put on a show mm. and for me I, that's when I'm in the crowd I'm like I want it to be at least like I feel feel like something's being presented to me that is, has, is intentionally meant to sound that way. You totally, know? totally yeah no I definitely I think everything I do for, for better or for worse is quite constructed um, in that way. Has there been any like heartbreaking like, oh, we're going to have to cut this part out of the song because just, it's just not working in the live set? No, I think we um, usually find creative solutions for these things. I kind of liked those challenges to, and it's like an opportunity, I think, to make something new. Yeah. Make something different, yeah. It's so exciting translating music. Mm. Uh, and, and, and also like, I mean, you talked about how there was such a big delay with the album like the recording music as an outlet is like very slow gratification. Like, you mm. know, you work often for years on a thing and then it comes out and then slowly you kind of get, get like you receive feedback and you receive, you know, like you are gratified for your work, hopefully. <laughs> um, but in the live performance, it's instant. You play a song and then if they like it, they clap. And that's the like instant kind of gratifying thing which is and then they're both equally great but like it's kind of fun to have both going on for sure are you good at the like looking after yourself on the road and doing that kind of stuff like the lifestyle of touring um because i find that that's almost as much of a knack for people mm. like actually being able to do it i was never very great at it right right so what do you mean do you would you party no it's it's even just like well there's always gonna be late nights Mm. but then all like you know just not like eating well yeah not sleeping well i mean i just don't think it's like i just don't think touring is 
built for and a healthy lifestyle is compatible. <laughs> I just don't yeah. unless you have unless you're you're touring in like deluxe style, um it's you know, you pump your body full of adrenaline playing a show at eleven, you pack out and it's one AM, you're loading all your gear into the Airbnb and you're like pumped. And then you have to go to bed because you're waking up to catch your flight at seven AM. It's like not conducive. Like you can't sleep because you're full of adrenaline and then like you wake up and you're just like so groggy. And so <laughs> it's just like it's giving me like NAM flashbacks, you yeah. describing this, yeah. Oh uh, NAM? Yeah, like <laughs> I'm just like I'm like oh, I'm feeling all the feelings again of like it right, is yes. hard. But you guys, because um, we the reason I picked up on that, you guys recorded in Southeast Asia or something. Yes, in yeah. Thailand. In Thailand. In Thailand, at like a rep, it was like a it's called Karma Sound Studios, I think, and it's like a replica of uh the what's the what's the Beatles on Abbey Road, right? Um, so it's like the like um, it's like the DVD copy from you know the marketplace version of the dvd it's like that but a studio with a pool because it's Amazing. thailand so it's like super hot how was that crazy crazy man yeah that was a nuts that was nuts it was nuts it was nuts we were Maybe. like in studio a for two weeks because uh the people we were signing with who ran this like super weird record label one of them was like the ex sony um, VP who had like I'm his pet project was like I'm gonna build a like a resort sh- studio in Thailand and people are gonna come and record like really good sounding albums but get like there won't be people annoying them there won't you know that was Man. the whole thing it yeah. was brilliant sounds great the craziest thing was when we like a huge Thailand band called um I think they were called Big Ass Big Ass yeah and they were like a Thailand rock band and they they sang in Thai. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were like one of the two massive rock bands in, in, in Thailand and they took over Studio A and we got bummed down to Studio B. But um, Damn. we would hang out, we'd all have dinner together. Right. And our, our main cultural connection was the TV show House because <laughs> they loved House. Wow. And House- like the doc- Is that the doctor? Yeah, with guy. Hugh Laurie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, and they would just put that on every night and it was be like dubbed over in Thai. And Weird. I was like, okay, sick. House. House, bro. It Damn, I've never seen that show. Yeah, it's good. It's like, have you ever seen Suits? Yeah. Okay, so you know how like that gets quite formula. Like those shows me like, oh yeah, there's like a there's like a problem. And then the, the professional has like a super out there, like he mm. figures it out with some out of the box idea. Mm. Imagine that every episode um, but, for four or five seasons. Right. And okay. it's Hugh Laurie being an American. There we go. So it's pretty good, for, okay. you know. Might, but, ha- might have to watch if I'm scrolling through looking for something to watch. Well, that's – so like with all the travel, how do you kill time traveling? Are you podcasts? Are you music? Are you reading? Like, um, Usually reading um, and I don't know. I don't know. It's so touring is like so weird. You like – another th- weird thing about touring I would say is that it's like goes from those high intensity things like performing, getting to sound check on time just to <laughs> plug in and like then you're on stage and you're playing and then yeah. like then you're like at the merch table having to say hello to everybody. I mean I love saying hello to everybody but it's like it's an, it can be intense and then you like switch from that extreme high intensity to extreme low intensity. You're sitting in a van or in a plane and like bored out of your brains looking for something to do mm. and so like um, I think that's kind of – weird and exhausting so but i'm always looking for 
suggestions for things. I think, what did I do? I went to Australia recently and on the plane, I just read. Yeah, I just mm. read. Watched some TV. Maybe. Yeah, you 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 pretty much went as, like almost as soon as the bubble opened up, eh? Yeah. Tell me tell me about like how that experience was. What what was it like getting back on a plane and heading like out of New Zealand? It was weird. So the bubble opened on like a Monday, and I flew that Tuesday, and um, it was great. Went to Brisbane and did like a cool in store at like a really amazing record store there called Jet Black Music, and then straight after the Brisbane show, hopped in an Uber and went to the airport and flew to Melbourne mm. and then woke up in Melbourne, realised I'd left my laptop in Brisbane, my, you know, $6,000 recording laptop, I'd left it at airport security, you know that bit where you have to take your laptop out and oh, put it. Oh, shit. And like, we, yeah. oh my God. Um, so that was kind of stressful. Um <laughs> And I guess, like, I guess I've just forgotten how to tra- travel, right. you know? Like, yeah. it's been so long since, like, I've done any of that. It was, like, quite very weird to be overseas. Um, but it was super cool. And then played in a show in Melbourne. Um, and it was sold out, which was really fun. Like, I've never um, done that in Melbourne before. Um, so that was really special. And I had like a band over there, like that, and like of just like really thrown together of some friends. And like we had like a quick two hour practice. And so I did like half solo set and then half band set. And it was, I've never done anything really like that because I don't think I like, it was, I was like a little bit nervous because I think, I don't really think of my music as music where you can just like learn the chords and jam along. Like, it's a bit, it's, it's, Bitty, not in a yeah, bad way, but like, yeah. There's yeah. bits, you know, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of bits. Because um, I like to think of like every element as being a part, you know, like, and so, and the sound is quite important as well. Yeah. And so the tones and stuff. So, but it was great. It was awesome. It came, fully came together. It was super fun. That's and then sick. I went to Sydney as part of like Song Hubs. Do you have heard of Song Hubs? Yeah. yeah. So it was like four days of songwriting in Sydney at their big fancy studios, which wow. was super cool. Yeah. Are you, and you, so you still have retained like that love for just songwriting? Yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah I, I love songwriting. Yeah, I think I feel like that's um, there's just no better feeling, um, than just like being like crafting a good solid song that's like just succinct and it says what it needs to and yeah, is what it is. Super cool. Yeah, it's so because like I'm such an outsider to kind of songwriting and like culture and like session culture, and I find Mm. it just so fascinating. I was talking to Neil McLeod, and he was like, he he was saying how he loved it because it was everyone just kind of, well, this is like his version of events, but everyone just kind of cuts the bullshit Mm. and kind of it's about getting to the song. Totally, totally. The songwriting sessions can be weird. Right, okay. that's like a, that's a different thing for like, me. Slightly. Okay, right. Like for me, writing a song is like often a solo activity where I'm just like, right. where I'm just like in my room, and I like picture myself as like an old dude in like a wood workshop, you know, crafting a nice chair or something, you know, like just building a solid, cool thing. That's kind of how I see it. But those songwriting sessions, they're a different thing. Sometimes those can be super weird. It's like speed dating or something. Yeah. You know, like, um. But it can be awesome as well. And like like um, this guy was saying, it's true. Like it, you do just cut to the song and like everyone's in the room. If, you, if you've got a good one, there's like no egos 
everyone's just trying to make a cool song and like hang out and have fun. Yeah. Right. It can be super cool. I, I love asking this question of people who are like into songwriting but are artists as well. Mm. Like what what is it for you that you need you have this thing where you want to, okay, I want to put my face on this song and I want to put, like, I want to not only write songs in general, but I have this, what's the criteria or what's the thing that makes you want to be like, these are Merc songs mm. and like be an artist as well. Mm. Uh, I think it's like my expression and stuff i just like making cool stuff that are, and like if it's something that i'm really proud of um and like that tell a piece of my story not necessarily biographically but like there's an, a, a real emotion there that's like a piece of something that i've experienced yeah if, i don't know if that makes any sense like no of course like you can have like you can ex you can in a song you can describe tell a story that's not necessarily like a diary entry, but it is telling an emotion of something that is real. Yeah. Yeah, of something that I have felt, yeah. Something you're trying to like put across. Mm, mm. Or just like even get out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> how, what's your, how many songs do you write in say like potentially for a Merc project for, in the ratio that don't come out? Like, uh, like for Infinite Youth, yeah. um, I would have written 40 songs, I wow. reckon. 30 to 40 yeah. songs. Um, that was then culled down to like more like 20 that got like recorded and then like slowly kind of chiseled down to I think it's 11 on the album. And is it just like at each song that gets like culled or doesn't make it, there's just a point in the process where it's like, oh, this isn't, it's kind of hit, it's it's not mm. going anywhere in this part of the process? Yeah, totally. I think, it's, I think it's more like the ones that just like keep resurfacing and keep being that I keep feeling like working on or keep listening to in the car or whatever it is like that I just like they seem those ones seem to float to the surface yeah right mm. yeah do you find yourself like do are you are you one of those people who likes to show people music you're working on or are you not really yeah not really <laughs> because I, I I um I don't want the reward too soon or right, something okay if that makes sense like yeah. I like I mentioned how recording is like quite slow gratification and I kind of like that about it. And I, and I think sometimes I've noticed within myself, at least sometimes when I show people songs, um, it's like actually like resistance or it's like distraction for me because uh. I'm like, I should just be working on the song rather than looking for affirmation from people, you know, like right. um, that's for me anyway. Like I think, and then also, and it also means that it's like kind of created and within like a vacuum. I did have a producer for the first time, a co-producer for the first time, this album, and so we were our own little ecosystem. Yeah, for this record. Well, that's the team, right? Yeah, yeah. which was super cool. Yeah, super fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm. I, and I like there is that psychological thing that I wish I could remember more specifics about it, but it, it's it's where you tell if you say something out loud or like, oh, I'm going to do this or I'm mm. going to do that and someone gives you like that positive feedback, mm. your brain gets the same reaction, the same like hit 
as if you had actually done the thing and yeah. and saps your motivation from actually finishing what you've just told them about. Yeah, you're just explaining it more succinctly. What? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the kind of feeling I think. That it's like, um, I don't want to. Yeah, I don't know. Finish it too soon before it's done. I I do I do like do can sometimes bring people in. Um, like Shannon, who's Tom Lark. Shout out um, Shannon. I bring him often and to like listen to stuff because like he can he can he th- he thinks that music at like a slightly different angle to to me and like I'm not looking for encouragement I'm looking for like criticism a lot of the like I want feedback that I can work on and make something better and so like if I'm showing people I kind of want it to be critiqued you don't want a yes man you just want I want people to be like yeah this like this bit needs work and I want and like and that and then that will be like often like affirming something I've already felt. It's like, actually, yeah, that bridge section does need a little work, you know? Um, yeah. It's crazy. Like I I have this thing, which I, I think a lot of people do, the musicians, where I don't even have, I can just sit someone in a room sometimes who I would like respect their opinion the same way you're talking about it. Mm. But even bef- when I'm playing the song, just having their, knowing my brain, knowing that their ears are in the room listening to it will or make me hear the music and hear what I don't like without even them even fucking opening their mouth. Exactly, sometimes. exactly. And like they might not even hear that, but but like you're hearing it again for the first time somehow. It's kind of like there's that science thing of that crazy thing where it's like uh, um, particles can be here or here at the same time, and it's mm. only when you look at them that they pick a spot. That like having ears in a room makes you it's like you're just gonna see the shit. Totally, totally, <laughs> totally. The, but that you're like nervous about coming up and like you have to put a disclaimer in front of you like okay that's obviously something i need to work on like yeah bro i've just read like i i've been getting into lots of people's cars recently mm-hmm. um and i've noticed it last night finally where it would be really weird if you got into someone's car and they didn't make a, a statement because i was like most people like oh sorry it's a bit messy in here or like or mm-hmm. whatever which i was really used to but someone uh silas last night was like um oh, sorry, it's got like a certain smell or something because of something. And mm-hmm. I realized like I've never got into a car and someone just like quiet. <laughs> that would be unnerving. That would be unnerving. That'd be, yeah, that'd be weird. And, and it's the same when you show people songs. Yeah. Like would be weird if they didn't say anything. Like, oh, yeah. That would actually be <laughs> awful. You're like, ah, Like, please no. just hate it. Just, just please hate it. Just I can convince me. myself you're an idiot if you just hate it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I as like a fan of yours and also a fan of like Shannon's work and mm. Tom Lark, like I just how what's the relationship between you guys? Like how did you kind of first hook up together and, mm. and what's that all about? So um my brother was in Tom Lark before I was. Right. Um my brother, he's a guitarist and he knew Shannon's cousin Dan. Who was, Dan the, who, was the, who was the drummer of Tom Lark, shout out Dan. And made the first two cartoons music video and yeah. the second one actually, yeah. Dan Fowler. Yeah. yeah, the Lemonade stall. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. Shout out um, Dan. So Jono, my brother Jono knew Dan and Dan suggested to Shannon that he joined the band and then they were looking for a keys player and I didn't know how to play keys. <laughs> but I think, but I played, a, had played like a... I took a couple lessons or something. And so right. they asked if I wanted to join when I was like 17. And they were like older guys. Like I think they were in like 23 or something. And was this, this was Christchurch or this Auckland? Is, this is, I was living in Tauranga. 
Okay. And then Shannon was living in Christchurch and the rest of the band were living in Auckland. Okay. <laughs> so real complicated. But then eventually we all moved to Auckland. Yeah. And I was 17 and playing in Tom Lark, learnt keys like the week before the gig and like learnt all the parts. And Wow. Yeah, it was super fun and we got to tour, um, did CMJ in New York. Yeah. And I was like 17 and I, I, I got kicked out of like the – the venue because I was They're not like, twenty one. How old are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, no, it was, it was super fun. That's amazing. What mm. was it? What was it like? Uh, was that kind of your first introduction? Like, did it before that experience? Were you like already on the path of I want to do music, I want to be a musician, or was that kind of like, oh, this is kind of cool? I'd done. He, I was in like a post punk band in high school. Dope. Yeah, Smoke Free Rock West. Yeah, Smoke Free Rock West. Sick. Play it strange. Um, oh, awesome. Which was cool. I actually won Play It Strange one year. Big and flex. Like, um, yeah, but like I say that because like I was not thinking of doing music. I didn't have any confidence in it. And like it was only that like when Mike Chun called me and a 16-year-old and he's like, you won. And I was like, oh, wow, that's cool. Like I never <laughs> like thought of myself as much of a – like I don't think – I mean in Tauranga – we were writing post-punk songs and like the music teachers didn't really get it. And like, so I didn't, and like no one got it. Mm. I don't think we got it. Right. Like I, and um, so I didn't really have anyone tell me like, oh, like you actually can do this if you want, like um, really. And so like doing that was actually kind of the encouragement I needed to like be like, oh, maybe I should do more music. Like, mm. and so I joined the Tom Lark band and like moved here and started studying. Um, and then all the while, like playing in other people's bands, like I did some session stuff for Clack Clack Raya, and then eventually joined Phaser Days. And then um, I was studying while I was doing that, and then I got like quite heartbroken and too depressed to do any study, and so I dropped out. And then I got job at Roundhead doing the assistant engineering there, and then like one thing led to another, and then I just all the while was working on songs, you know, in the background, Merc songs, and then like and I think it was 2016 where I finally. Released my first album. Yeah, nice. Cool. Yeah. Where did the SPD come in? The SPD? The uh, the sampler you use, mm. sorry. Yeah. Where, when did... Because I, 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 uh, there's this great video of you on BFM with mm-hmm. just that and the acoustic mm-hmm. guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's such a great solo setup. Oh, cool. Did, Thanks. Did, did, when, when did that kind of start happening? That was... That's the SP404. SP404, that's right. Yep, that's the one. Um. That was Tom Lark. I think we, like, I remember seeing Sherpa play. Um, uh-huh. And yeah. they had this box that was, like, um, he just pushed buttons and then it made sounds, you know? like. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, what is that? And I asked Earl, who was the front man, and he showed me what it was, and I, and I ended up buying one because, like, I didn't want to use – this was in Tom Lark, and I, first I was using a laptop, and then um, I was kind of bored of that and I wanted to use – Hardware gear. And so, yeah, that's where it came from. And I've just u- loved using it ever since. We've got two in the live show now. Yeah. Are you, because I'm very similar to you. Like, I get the laptop thing, but I haven't, I know I have an inherent, like, I don't want to do the laptop mm-hmm. thing. I'd rather be like pressing buttons or doing mm-hmm. the thing. Mm-hmm. Have you had, like, in, the, in this, because you've got such a big band for this new record. Mm-hmm. 
and like it is bitty it's like inter- mm. have you had to have laptops included in this live setup or have yeah. you managed to get it all live we everybody's playing different synths and samplers and stuff so i think for the we have some drum machine loops cool that do stuff and then for the most part everyone's launching samples and stuff yeah, yeah. and then we have a laptop and stage that's just sound like midi sound so it's like it's no tracks on it it's yeah. just like a um yeah and and um i don't know i it's something about it like i feel myself more and more enticed towards the laptop okay i i like these days i don't know like this i think it was i was in copenhagen and, and i went to this weird techno festival and like it was just the most punk thing i've seen in ages with this girl just like hitting spacebar on a laptop with her microphone and it was just like that I was like, man, this is the new punk. Like, this is like so badass and like super cool. And like, the music was incredible. And like, everyone was, ha- was having such a fun time. I don't know. It's, it's, it's weird. It is different, I think, if you've got like a five piece plus band and having heaps of yeah. laptopy backing tracks things. Maybe it's less relevant. I don't I, know. But I, I, because I've kind of pinned it down to my own taste. Is like, I think for me, it comes down to like how the amount of sound sources in the live thing. Like, cause I saw, I saw high hopes mm-hmm. and he had triggers and he definitely had samples going on mm. Flamingo pier as well, but they both had live like percussion and live drums mm-hmm. and then like a guitar. Mm-hmm. And I, and it seemed like that was like above for my ears. It was like, Oh, this is uh, my ears were telling me it was like a live gig. Mm-hmm. Whereas like I've seen, some acts who have the laptop and then maybe like one other instrument and my ears are like, this is a recording. Yeah, right. It's so interesting. Like I, I think it's more just like kind of getting this, yeah, getting as many sound sources as possible to make it feel mm-hmm. live. If you're trying to go for the band thing, I, I agree. Like if you say, do you know Sleaford Mods? No. They're, they're like a kind of um, like a working class punk poet kind of like beat band mm. from England mm. and it's literally like they'll press the guy who makes the beats will be on stage there's two of them one is just the vocalist and the other one makes the beats and he will just press play and start drinking his beer on mm-hmm. stage and the other mm-hmm. guy and that fucking rules yeah that's amazing but like if it's like if you're if your music is like using a lot of things to try and make a a, a, a big sound mm. then I, I don't know there must be there's some kind of like play on expectations or something with ears totally totally yeah yeah I, I, I definitely feel yeah and I, I think for me I really love playing with tempo and um, like you know, extending moments or like sitting in a bit for a, for a second or like, you know, if the, the the bridge drops and it's just me and my guitar or whatever, like I quite like just being there for a moment and like not in ne- feeling uh, the with the audience, like whether we stay here for a second or whatever. And like, mm-hmm. so I, I do enjoy that freedom. Um, you get to, you get at least like feel like you could improvise or improvise if you want to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, totally. And so... Yeah, but um, but I I I don't know. There's something. Maybe the laptop's calling me or something. I, <laughs> I I'm excited about. I would love to like experiment more with it at least. I think we're. I think yeah, that will come around again. Mm. I like it goes in such swings and roundabouts because I think the like the younger people coming up are just like it doesn't matter what you use. Mm. Just do the thing totally. And like that makes me think because I'm from like the age of like. 
No, it really matters because mm. uh, all, all we have is what you use because exactly. everything else has been done and yeah, exactly. so it's such backwards thinking. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think, <laughs> I, think, I think like as long as you're doing anything authentically then like with like authenticity then go for it. Totally. Mm. That's very good advice. You heard it here on Harko Beats Humans. I really want to ask you about your like sound palette because mm-hmm. it's quite unique. Mm-hmm. I, I think. Yeah. Um, wh- where are you, what are you like li- listening to? Where are these kind of, because they're quite close sounds, mm-hmm. but they're also, um, and, and they are like, I don't like using the word quirky because they're not mm-hmm. really quirky, mm-hmm. but like they're, 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 some of the sounds are off the beaten bush, but it doesn't sound like it's just there to be off the beaten bush. It all mm-hmm. really works together. Like, oh, cool. Where are you, where is all this coming from? Where is this inspiration for this? Yeah, I mean like, I don't really. I'd like to. Th- I because you say you're a big. You like indie music. Yeah. But your music, sound wise, is far more inventive. I'm a big indie music fan as well. But like mm. one of my big critiques would be that we indie bands have just been using the same sounds for mm-hmm. twenty, thirty years. Totally, totally. I mean, I, I w- would say that I worked on this album at least quite hard at like deconstructing the indie music that I was making and then reconstructing a new thing. And like, it took a lot of experimentation. So I think um, like what you're he- the songs that you hear, I've made 30 versions of that oh, song. Right, okay. And so like, and kept little fragments of it. And so, and hopefully to the point where it sounds simple, but it's like the process to make it was not simple at all. Like it was very like long and complex and then reduced into a thing. And so like, um, and then, and all the while, you know, making a song and with this influence, making a song with that influence, and then like the same song, like making this like same song, but like recorded in this style or recorded in that style, and then like eventually trying to find the common thread within it, and then like pull out a thing and make a simple pop three minutes thirty song out of that. Um, that's kind of was the process for making this, and so like so hopefully the goal is that like you know, hopefully I have like for each song like 50 inspirations so that people can hear and be like, what the hell is this? Or like, right. and not hear it and just be like, oh yeah, it sounds like um, Paramore or whatever band you'll like, you know, like, you know when you can hear you a can band. project, that people can project onto it. Yeah, people can hear a band and be like, oh, it just sounds like, um, or was that band Greta Van? Greta Van Fleet. Yeah, it's like the, everybody is like, okay, it sounds like Led Zeppelin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like the, the, um, the, the, I guess the goal is like have 50 bands that you're inspired by. And so hopefully when people hear your music, they're like, I've never heard anything like this before. Mm. That's, that was the goal. Well, I think you, I think if, 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 we, if we can't have an absolute of you achieving it, I think you got as close as anyone can possibly get to that. Thank you. That means heaps. Yeah. I th- and I think it's that for me, it's like, it's, it's all there and so close. I think there's the like how it's presented and all the sounds. It's mm. just really, it's really well done. It, w- it was really nice having a co-producer right. to like see my blind spots with that. Because I think um, his big, like the big learning thing for me from him, his name's Johan and he he's in, lives in Denmark. Hello, Johan. He's Danish and he's um, like a dark ambient techno artist Wonderful. and he makes film soundtracks. So he was like, the perfect guy to go to if I didn't want to make an indie record. Um, and his big thing was like those silly sounds, like the quirky sounds, 
like with my first album, Swordfish, like they're cool and the, the fun production is, is really cool, but you're hiding behind it. Like you're hiding like what you're really trying to, and as a, I think it's a very New Zealand thing for us to do is like um, kind of, and it's what makes some of the, our great songs, but like often we can hide out what we're truly feeling behind funny or interesting production. Um, and so the big goal for me this time was like, yeah, put, turn the, do one track of the vocal, don't double track it or like, um, and like have no reverb on it and make it very loud in the mix. And like, so like all of a sudden I'm right out there and like the lyrics have to be really good because people can hear everything I'm saying and like the vocal take has to be like quite nice or if it's, if it's wonky, then it has to be purposefully wonky or whatever it is. And so like everything has to all of a sudden be super intentional. Yeah, um, right. And there's no hiding. And so it's like kind of feels like you say very close. Um, and he was really good at pointing that out to me. Was that uncomfortable? Yeah, it's still uncomfortable. Right. <laughs> when I hear it, you know, like it's like, whoa, that's a bad vocal take. Like a lot of like some of the songs is like the literally the first demo vocal take of me holding it um, SM57 with the speakers on in the studio, me like doing a demo take of the vocal um, and we're like, oh, we'll replace that later. But And we tried to replace it later, but we just like couldn't find the right feeling. So yeah, yeah. that oh. was, yeah. That's where that kind of closeness came from, I would say. And it kind of speaks to like, there's something more than just, music is more than just technical frequencies that, that you're, recording with with the gear mm -hmm. that's totally. that's the whole thing like there's there is vibe or like this there is energy in these things mm, you know definitely definitely yeah i think like and capturing the vibe it sounds so we're so dumb. not we don't have the yeah we're not raised in new zealand with that kind of language you no, know but it's important yeah so, um yeah. laps around the sun mm -hmm. is one of those when you talk about like really not hiding behind anything and mm -hmm. that, cause that is like, there's, there's not even like, it's, it's literally just the, the keys in your voice for a long time. Mm -hmm. Like, but I think you were right. Like every, it, 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 I'm, I can see how that would have trimmed what I'm sure there was fat there at some point. Definitely. Because that is a song that just has no, fat on it mm. you know what i mean it, when we were like for most of the album recording process that song was like in like a pop song with drums like do do cut to get to get to cut laps around the sun right okay yeah and then like um we just couldn't get it right and we had these funky guitars and like cool it was very cool and like um and then Johan was, we were finishing the album. He came over to New Zealand and I played like this Vice Christmas party at Whammy Bar mm. a couple of years ago or something. And like the band didn't know how to play that song. And so like I just did it solo and a synth. And like we we're like, oh, that's the version. Like <laughs> right. after all of this time, yeah. And so like we went literally the next day and recorded it. Do you find it hard to leave, to like cut ideas that aren't working and, and like completely – like do you – like surely you grow attachment to some of the things. So like if you're going through all these versions, mm, there's mm. two things that are interesting, interesting to me. Mm. One is that you are able to effectively cut and mm. we're going to do another thing with this and I'm not mm. going to keep thinking about that. Mm. And two, 
that um, you you somehow have not a got lost in the weeds and b mm. been like we're done. Yeah, I think getting lost in the weeds is very easy to do, and like sometimes it's it's very hard to get perspective on a thing like laps around the sun, and it takes like an external thing, like playing a show mm. that like some miracle you like decided to play on that synth, and then it was right. Um, I uh, I will say I never feel bad about cutting ideas. Like, okay, I love cutting ideas <laughs> because I I like um, never see it as a waste. I think like it's not like you can spend all day working on this one baseline and then like come into the studio the next day and listen to it and be like, oh, it's a it's not very good, and like be okay with that because it's part of the process. It's the, it's the trajectory is always forwards, and right. so like for me at least, and like and I think like never seeing that as a waste is an important thing because otherwise you like for me I have to write 10 bad songs before I write, write one good one and so like I like so writing a bad song is actually great you know it's a good thing I that's like I at least I have to tell myself that otherwise I'll go <laughs> batty and realize that I'm actually a complete fraud um <laughs> But like I, th- that's actually something that I learned working with Neil Finn at right. Roundhead. Okay, like he would spend all day recording like the, these four bars of piano for one of the songs that he was working on, and like I, at first you can't hear any difference in what he's doing. But then eventually you start to, by the second hour of him working on it, it's like oh, this is like the feel is like kind of slightly different each take, and he's, that's what he's looking for. And then the next day you come in, and he's like, oh, I've decided not to use that. <laughs> And be, him being totally fine with that, like, um, was a big lesson for me. I think it's hard. It's so hard because, like, I hear that anecdote, and I, I do think, like, how does that style of creativity and that style of music fit now in twenty twenty one when we have Spotify and when we have when like this whole thing when like Daniel Eck is like or whatever his name is is like oh yeah you guys just need to be making more and more music all mm. the time mm. like those things seem to be at loggerheads and I think about that quite a lot yeah but I think like I I think it's great to make heaps of stuff for sure I think that's cool and like it's cool to be a prolific artist but I think it's very cool to take your time and like make something that you're really proud of and like um, because we and and it's very hard to know like what is a classic you know like at the time when something comes you know it takes five to ten years before we realize oh that song is a classic you know like um, as opposed to just a popular song of the day Um, and so I think like I don't know. I, I don't. I mean, it's in his best interest, isn't it, for us to all be making <laughs> plenty of stuff. This is this guy that works at Spotify or whatever. He's right? like the CEO. Yeah, yeah. He's like, hey, you should make me more product for me to make exactly. Money on. It's <laughs> definitely in his best interest. And and the, I think I would recommend that to any, especially young artists. Is like, yeah, make heaps of stuff. Like, make a song a week, like written and recorded and public. I mean, you do the forty-eight hour thing right and yeah like, two days yeah and so like I think that's great like put yourself on a deadline make heaps of stuff and like close the gap between like your taste and your ability um, right um, get your chops up and do heaps of th- do heaps of things but it is but you can also do that and no one has to hear it you know like I made like right. I said like I made 40 songs for Infinite Youth and nobody's going to hear any of those <laughs> other ones um, 
You're going to have a Prince-style Prince vault. Yeah, exactly. But like, exactly. And, and I think, yeah, not everyone needs to hear that stuff, but we can all be making heaps. Yeah, mm. I agree. Mm. I agree. Do you, um, because that you're kind of speaking to, like it's nice to have, to lean into a challenge. Mm. To like feel like you're doing new things. And, totally. Uh, we were talking before about the really awesome interview that uh, Matthew the Spinoff did with you, mm -hmm. and I, which was a great read. Mm. Um, and I think you talked about that, about like wanting to have new things, challenge yourself, and you were, but you were talking about the context of like um, doing movie soundtracks mm -hmm. or like working in more, I, is soundscapes the wrong word? I'm so like, like I, I use them interchangeably. I use soundtrack mm. and soundscape, even though mm. I know probably technically they're different things. Mm -hmm. um, what is, is this, what's this world to you at this point in time? Like, is, the, is that your kind of like interesting frontier? Um, or is that just something you're like interested in? I think it's like, I think I like to be a bit of a maverick really. Oh. Like, like <laughs> I hope, hope that like my music career can be one of many different hats. And so I think like... Um, cowboy hats. Yeah, cowboy hats, fedoras, <laughs> cheese cutters. <laughs> um, yeah, I think... Um, uh, yeah, making the. I mean, I worked on a soundtrack last year and it was super fun and like would love to do more of them. Um, I think with music, as we know, you kind of to earn a living, you have to do mm. a few different things. Like, um, we have to, even within being an artist, you have to write songs, record them, make merch, play shows. And then for me, I'm like producing bands as well in my little studio, composing, doing some soundtrack stuff and like often people are also teaching guitar and like, so there's this like within the music world, there's like different revenue streams and hopefully like within those you can scrape together. It's income. like the Merck Corporation. Yeah, exactly. And there's all little small businesses that's in there. The, that's the one. That's what we do. <laughs> we just, you know, here for the slice of lime, you know. Of course, <laughs> lots of life. How and was that transition hard? Like, how did you feel making the transition into being a full time musician? Because I think we've got a lot of like young, kind of um, musicians who listen to this who are mm -hmm. who are kind of like that's the goal for so many people. And it's mm -hmm. really interesting. Like, how did you feel making that jump? Yeah, um, I think like it's definitely hard, and you have to be okay with working very hard and also living very cheaply. Because, um, yeah, I think, and like borrowing as many favors as you possibly can and like live with your parents if you can and like um, just do whatever you can to give yourself space and time to work on what you need to do, whether it's being on the dole or whatever, like, um, or like, you know, having that, crappy job on the weekend that you don't like doing but you do but whatever it is to like I think um, yeah that's that's like that was like quite hard because you have to live very frugally but I'm very thankful for that and like you know I'm still doing it like still very have to live very cheaply because I'm not making much of an income but like um, yeah I'm super thankful I mean because it's just like such for me at least it's like such a cool way to live Mm. Um, it's a very full life, especially if you treat it with like respect and you, you treat, like, I think the, the hardest thing for me actually was like, you know, calling myself a musician, like riding on the airplane <laughs> thing that I, my occupation is musician. Yeah, right. Because um, that's like total imposter syndrome 
area and like and also like taking it seriously enough to be like no I can't like I know it's it's Wednesday and I'm technically at home with nothing planned <laughs> but I can't come and hang out with my you like if my friend asks or whatever like because I'm working yes. this is my job and I stay at home and I write songs and whatever like that's my job and so that was like quite a hard thing at first I would say yeah to kind of wrap my head around yeah yeah, you got to have like strong boundaries in a sense. Mm-hmm. Definitely, <laughs> because like you could be like full-time musician, but you know, I'll meet you for coffee or whatever. You know, yeah, like, of course, not doing anything. But yeah, so I think that was the the hard thing. Yeah, but, nice. And you're feeling a lot more comfortable in your skin with it now. These days, yeah. I, I I mean, I've been doing it for a while, so like, it feels like a while at least. And like, but you know, of course, constant imposter syndrome. All the time. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. But, you know, better at dealing it with it maybe. I don't know. I think so. And it helps having like heaps of great friends who are also doing the same thing. Yeah, I wanted to ask you like because you, you do from the outside it looks like you are a part of quite a real community. Mm, definitely. Like, how, does, how do you find that? How, what's your experience of like community in your musical life? I mean, it's like it's like everything. It's like the most important Part, it's like why I make music is to like literally as a as a way to you know be with people mm. I guess like whether that's people who are listening to the music or coming to the shows or like or whether it's the people I'm making music with or right. whether it's like free, people who are also making music over there that I'm friends with you know like I think it's like that's the that's my why almost I would say it's like um, that's what I love doing and so like yeah I have like so many cool friends doing cool things, making cool stuff. And I feel very inspired and humbled to be around them. And I think, I just think like New Zealand, our scene is just like super world-class and like really punching above its weight. And like per capita has like so much amazing music and is also like very ambitious, like wants to be these days, at least I feel like more and more like everybody wants to be doing well. And like, Mm. um, and it's a very positive ambition, I think. Like it's like, no, we've got, we can do this. Like, yeah, yeah I think it's I get that sense as well. We have a lot of conversations on here of like, it's the more the conversations focus on like, almost like, oh, we need, we need help because we're crushing it, and we can, we know, like that confidence of like we can crush it even more if only X, Y, and Z was happening. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's actually, a, I think, a really positive mindset to be in. Mm. It's like a. It's like a confidence and an ambitious one. It's like mm-hmm. we wanna we wanna keep doing and we wanna do even better. We wanna push and push and push. Totally. Which is not really a usual New Zealand psyche nah. thing. Nah. I think like I think it's just like I don't know, it's it's, it's um you I mean, obviously like Lord broke out and did very well, but like in on small scales we've had like local bands go and do really cool things internationally. We've got the Beths and Phaser Days and these cool thing bands that are like out there making cool stuff and all and those are our friends. And like all of a sudden it's yeah. like, oh we can just like go play overseas and like do all of this fun stuff. I but. do feel like if if like the music media sorts its shit out and we get like some kind of actual, you know, uh I talked to Sam Smith quite a lot and he, he, he really talks about music journalism in a sense of like it's archival function. That's why I was like, why do you do reviews? Like I'm not a big like music review. I'm like, meh, I don't find mm-hmm. that interesting. Mm-hmm. And he loves it purely because he 
use them as archival so people can hopefully go back in time and read about what people at the time thought about the music and right. like, which I I'm like oh, okay I kind of get that mm, like reading a um, Abbey Road review from 1969 would be kind of interesting maybe. yeah because yeah. we've got there's no way we're not we're not hearing it with those ears we don't live in that world you mm. know so I totally get that and I just I hope I do feel like there's that group that you're describing, like the Phaser Days, the Beths, yourself, the like Tom Larks, mm -hmm. um, Alex Freer would be another one. Mm -hmm. Like there is the kind of wide tangential group of, mm -hmm. I would say like quite Auckland based music in that mm -hmm. scene mm -hmm. that I feel like will, should be and will be in the future like archived and talked about as like there is something there. Mm. Like I totally agree with you. Like there is world-class stuff there that you could definitely define like if people talk so much about flying nun mm. like rightly so mm. because it's easy to package because it's, it was all under one label mm. and i think there's there's things that are equally happening up up here and have happened in other places in new zealand that just didn't have that easy boxed label totally but totally should will be thought of and should I be thought so. of the same way so. it deserves to be and i feel very like inspired by all of those people like yeah this is, i feel very lucky to be around them at the same time um, yeah, and I think yeah, definitely the future will look back on the the scene, hopefully, and like be like, wow, that was a really cool moment. And I think I I'm hope like I just want to like recognize it today and be like, man, I feel very lucky to be part of this thing. And I and I uh, like yeah, I don't know. Hopefully, like some of the bands like that are like that that aren't really noticed internationally or like doing super well, but we all know about are amazing. Like yeah. uh, hopefully they can get some recognition today as well. <laughs> yeah. That would be nice. That would be nice. We didn't, you know, we didn't have to like, what's the painting thing of like, you, they didn't sell a painting while they were alive and now they're like considered like world class totally, masters. Totally, you know? totally, totally. That totally. sucks. That's not yeah. worth it. Like, fuck, no, I don't yeah. want that. No, nah, neither. But, <laughs> yeah, like, but, but the cool thing about all of those bands as well is that they're all very different, but very similar. Like they're in the same world, but they're not, there's no like, this is such a good question. What is, is there a New Zealand, I, 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 that's too general. Is, is there like a general sound or are there like musical um, ticks or musical like threads between all these acts? Because it's, mm. it, it, there isn't, New Zealand doesn't really have that obvious, oh, apart from someone pointed out like the um, tiki, tiki Tane kind of reggae mm. vocal tones. Mm. But, like for me, like a uh, really kind of schizo punk guitar music is one kind of thread that New Zealand seems to have. Mm. But for your like for that kind of group and community, mm. uh, do do you have some sense of like is this is there some kind of what's the shared DNA between all of that? Yeah, I don't know. It's so hard to put a finger on. I would definitely say that there is like a um. Uh, like a DIYness about it, but not like in the sound necessarily, no. but just in the, um, just in the like intention or something. There's like a there's like a homeliness about it. It's kind of like a, a built-in, not roughness, but like yeah. a, a purity or, or something. Yeah, or, yeah. Or, or thin, and the only other thing I've because I don't have any answers to that, but it's something I do think about. Mm. And the one of the closer ones I've got is like you think of like yourself and Phaser Days is a good one, and mm. even Tom Lark had a bit mm. of it as well, and like AC Freezy as well. I would say like one word could potentially be like whimsical in some way. Mm -hmm. Like it's it nothing. None of that group of people really make 
like you're going to s- cross your arms and stand mm. and like really, pa- you know mm. what I mean? Totally. I would, yeah, totally. I would say that maybe, yeah, I agree. Whimsical I, is a bit of a weird word no, no, to, no, I, to I, put I on that, mean. but. Also like humble maybe is like a, a different thing. Like everybody's like not trying to like yeah. say too much or like be too, I don't know, poked out too much, but but very unique and strong. There's something there. I feel yeah. like we've got something there. Mate. Totally, totally. Yeah, I don't know. But it, I think um, it's like, also I think like everybody's in that scene is like quite very good at um, not taking themselves too seriously. That's very true. In a very, in a very like comforting way, like in a way that makes me feel comfortable or something like, you know, when I see the Beths just having fun and like not taking it, they are a very serious band and they take things very seriously, but I think they like have this light handedness about it. And that makes me as a fan very comfortable to be listening to them. I don't know. Like there's something comforting about that. It is very like, I think com- a comfortable experience mm. is probably another thread in there. Mm. Don't know. No, n- cool. not in a lame way. No, no, in a very cool way, in a very strong way. I would yeah. say, like, in a very generous way. Like, I remember uh, there was what was it? Was it the, like the last gig you played before the lockdown? Mm. That was when you had like the the big band, right? Mm. Of like friends come on. Was that that gig? I remember being at one of your shows and it was like, "This is the big Merc band." Where was that? At Whammy. That might have been it, yeah. Yeah, and I and that was like it was like that kind of fun. It was almost like some families which I never had, and I was very jealous to have that thing where um, all the aunts and uncles in the family will come around and they'll head out to the garage and they'll start like everyone will pick up an instrument and we're gonna have the family jam, jam now. Yeah, that would be fun. Did you ever have that growing up? No, no, but just like one of my friends, um, I would go to one of my friends' house and we'd all have it would be that. Yeah. So Brad, do you have you met Brad Craig? He was he, nah. he was also in two cartoons and now he's oh, in yeah, like yeah. Minnie Simmons and Flamingo Pear. Yeah. His family is like generations of that. Like wow. his grandparents turn up and pick up ukuleles and start singing like fifties show tunes and cool. stuff. And they all like jump in and Brad's like a jukebox. He can play like everything from the sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. And I, I just remember sitting there and be like, This is fucking crazy. My family's not musical at all. Right. But I think like that, so cool. that family music jam thing is also mm. something I'd associate with yep. like you guys, you know? Yeah. Cool. I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. yeah I can definitely. see you nodding away. Yeah. Super fun. Well, we're doing, we, you know what? Fuck the media. We don't need, we're, we're doing the archiving right now. We're doing yeah. the history right now. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Hello, future. <laughs> we are here creating yeah. right now. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the only other thing I really wanted to talk to you about is like your, the, the visuals for the record. And um, I know that, was it just Lily who you worked with? Um, yeah, Lily, Lily did the album artwork. She came and stayed at my house for a week and we like painted and cut out and stuck up those We're shapes. talking about Lily Paris West from uh, Mermaidens. That's the one. Yes. That's the one. And I'd never met her before. Oh, wow. Yeah. And she just, I, we just brought her up from Wellington and it was amazing. It was so fun. What's your, where does your like visual thing come from for Merck? Yeah. Um, I really want people to like see the thing and understand it. I just want it to be very mm. simple and clear. Like, and e- every part of the thing, whether it's like being at the live show or music video or album artwork or- Okay, right. I just like like having a consistency and simplicity across the thing where people can like look at it and be like, oh, this is what the thing is. Like, um, and with the album artwork, it was like, 
I really, the whole idea of, a big idea of the album for me was like, the uh, like a bedroom universe, which is like the closeness that of the sound, which is like what you were talking about, but like having that ambition or that like kind of anthemicness to it in a mm. very humble and small way. And so like- Well, there's a lot of space. Yeah, exactly. And so um, having these like a universe cut out with colors and stars and things in like a kind of Matisse cutout style and then like being like in a bedroom universe, it was like kind of hearkening to that. And so like I, I found like some, just the other day, like I found some first sketches that I made like a year and a half ago oh. of that album artwork and stuff. And so that's kind of where that came from. Um, I worked on a lot of the videos with Martin Sagadin, who's like an amazing film director. Um, and also Abigail Egden, who helped on the Laps Around the Sun music video, who like co-directed it and also made a lot of the other visualizers that are out on YouTube for each of the, like we have like movie Yeah, images. I saw the, I've, I've subscribed to the YouTube channel. Oh, I saw nice, them all, thank you. Saw them all pop up. Yeah, yeah. So um, that was like, a, we made them like the week of the album release. Yeah, so, like, classic. Super yeah, yeah. fun. Nice. Is that, that thread of like keeping things simple and keeping things like so that people can understand. Do you think that's going to be a thread that's going to con like, is that at the heart of Merck and that will be what keeps everything and as your career goes on together? Or do you, do you feel like that's just a moment of now? Um, I do think like I'll always be looking to make music that is generous, you know, like giving more than it takes, um, right. like no room for self-indulgence perhaps. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I like it's you know like you spoon feed people. Yeah. Um, I think like hopefully you can challenge people a little bit, you know, like and but um, definitely doing it from a generous place. I would say that's like yeah. I think uh, hopefully I'm always doing that. Do you think you'll even have the need for like a a, a secondary outlet as an artist? Potentially. Yeah. Never say never. Never say Maybe never. Maybe I already have one. Oh my God. That's out there. I don't know. I love that. That's one of my favorite. Like the internet is the best thing about, like, that's one of my favorite things. You can just like hide. You can do mm -hmm. anything you want. I yeah. fucking love that. It's super cool. <laughs> um, it's been really nice talking to you. So nice. It's been like Thanks very overdue, and I'm such a big fan. Oh, man. And it's like, nice it's nice to finally be here. Um, it was. Uh, I really loved the album, and I can't wait to like see it live. But that those R and Z sessions were amazing. Yeah, really proud of those. Yeah, like you, the band was great, and like I just think it was. It looked great, and you guys looked great in it as well. Such a cool art center out in Glen Innes. Oh, cool. Yeah, random. Shout out Glen Innes. Yeah. Gi, super cool. Coming through. Mm -hmm. Um, plugs. Do you have? Any? Oh, do you, do I have plugs? Yeah. Um. Well. If you are in Wellington, Christchurch, or Dunedin, and you're hearing this the week of release, then come to the shows. Where where are you playing? What venues are you at? So in Auckland is Cassette Nine. We're playing in Tauranga at the Jam Factory. Wellington is Meow. Christchurch oh, cool. is the Loons Theatre. Oh wow! Yeah, it's a new place in Littleton. Apparently, it's really cool. Oh, Littleton, um, sick. And then in Dunedin is Dive. Oh yeah, so which is the cook, the old cook. Yeah, the old cook. Yeah, nice. Super good, cool. Good venues. That th I was going to ask you, like, have you ever thought about contextually putting your music into like theatre or like earlier shows or putting a show together that works in that kind of context? Theater, or is that like not really your buzz? Context? Or I um, have a theatre 
show idea that I'm working on with some friends. Oh, so maybe yeah. we'll be back to talk about oh, this later okay. in the year. That's, yeah. I like that. That's yeah. that's very very well media trained. That's a very nice little breadcrumb in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> um, thank you so much for talking to me. Thanks for having me. So that's, fun. That's no problem. Um, new episodes every Sunday. We'll be checking it out. <laughs> All right. See you guys. Bye.